My name is Chris Clark. Welcome to Keep Sharing with your host, John Taylor. The number of minority golfers from the U.S. on the PGA Tour kind of remains far too low, in my opinion. Um, so I want to change that. You have essentially teammates and, and people around you to, to keep your head up when you get down. And I think golf should be no different. It is a lonely sport, but that doesn't mean that you can't have people around you that are encouraging you. The first time I teed it up in a tournament, my, my knees and, 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 and hands were trembling. Hi, how's everybody doing? This is your host, John Taylor on Keep Sharing, looking at people's journeys, pitfalls, success stories, and who's inspired them along the way. After a crazy situation that we've been in over the last year, we are now moving rapidly through the episodes, interviewing guests all over the world. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Chris Clark, who grew up in Europe from a military family. And he moved to the States where he was a teenager and finished out his high school and college at the state of Washington. He graduated from Washington State University, where he found his passion for golf. After completing all of his course requirements and graduating, he found himself choosing golf as an elective to complete his degree. Immediately entering corporate America, and after college, Chris began playing golf whenever he was not in the office, longing countless hours in the attempt to perfect his craft. That passion and determination turned into competing, and now for the last 12 years, Chris has discovered his ability to compete at a professional level. Chris is massively compassionate in terms of bringing people through the game, looking at the whole dynamics and the makeup. And welcome to the show, Chris. It's absolutely delighted to have you on this evening. Awesome. Thanks, John, for having me. So we reached out on Instagram um, probably about three or four weeks ago. I've been following your story for some time now and asked if you wanted to come a guest on the show. And as I mentioned there, this is really just to highlight how we can sort of like share the message, look at different dynamics of the golfing industry. We've had people on from coaching backgrounds, fitness coaches, psychologists, um, club yeah. players in, in Augusta. So it's been quite an interesting journey myself and in interviewing people from different dynamics. And I just love talking to golfers as well, because I believe that everybody's got a story. Do you just want to share with us? A little bit about what it was like for Chris growing up. You mentioned about, you know, that military life and what, what kind of child were you when you were growing up? Yeah, so I was um, quite the analytical kid. Um, my mom and dad would say no, and I'd ask questions about why, why they told me not to do what they told me not to do. Um, and I always needed explanations. Taking that, that analytical approach into kind of what I'm doing today, which is golf, is Constantly looking at numbers, constantly understanding body and, and muscle mechanics and understanding how to properly move the body in the right positions to, to produce a efficient golf swing. Yeah. So what, 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 was, what kind of things was Chris as a child? What did he get up to? What, what was he really interested in, in in them days? Growing up, I played the piano from the ages of, I'd say, two till about 12 or so. Um, and I decided that I didn't want anything more to do with the piano. And my parents um, basically said that if you didn't want to play the piano, you weren't jumping out of music. So I ended up picking up the trumpet and playing that all the way through college. I also played basketball. Um, that was a, uh, a fun sport to play kind of all the way through through about college. And um, other than that, was pretty, pretty, pretty regular kid. I mean, obviously, growing up in Europe uh, had its differences. Uh, we grew up on a military on a military base. So we constantly kind of moved around. So my siblings are essentially um, as close to my friends um, as, 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 as any will have. How big is the family? Yeah. So I've got uh, four brothers or three brothers, uh, four of us total. Um, I fit kind of second to youngest. The oldest is um, 
about nine years older than me. And then second oldest is four years. So it's about four years apart between all of my brothers and I. And is there much competition goes on in the family with sports and different things, games in the house that used to play? And were you always competing with each other? Did you find that? Or? So growing up, uh, everybody played basketball. So it was kind of a uh, two on two as soon as we got old enough. And um, my older brother and I would kind of tag team against my younger brother and my, my uh, second oldest brother. And um, our parents had to step in, step in and get involved quite regularly because competitions <laughs> would get really, really heated to the point where we wouldn't want to talk to each other. So uh, that competition and, and fire still still burns today in all of us. So uh, we create competition for, for pretty much anything that we do. Oh, that's brilliant stuff. And leading, obviously, moving away from Europe. Where, so whereabouts in Europe were you living at the time? So I was in um, uh, Germany. Uh, we were in a, um, a city um, south of Frankfurt uh, called Würzburg, um, is essentially where the base was. Um, we lived in a rural area, actually more specifically called Kitzkin. Um, and we spent probably seven, eight years there um, and then got stationed um, in the Seattle, Tacoma area. Good stuff. And then obviously over to America, whole new place that you'd never been before. And then you, you're going through college and then you started to find your love for golf. When did when was the first time you picked up a club and really started swinging? And when what, what got you hooked into the game? When Can you remember that moment? Yeah, it's funny. I, I do remember it vividly. I was probably about three, three classes into um, the golf class that I took. And I remember hitting an eight iron and I just flushed it. And I remember thinking to myself, that is an exhilarating feeling. Like there's nothing better in the world than, than that sound and that impact. Um, after that moment, I was like, I have to get more of this and, and kind of went down the journey of trying to piece together a club set. Uh, I think at the time, I think I had some Wilsons and really just kind of hitting the range pretty much just about every day, just trying to find that feeling again. And what age were you when that happened, That when you, when you got that feeling? I, I was quite old. Um, I was 21 years old, oddly enough. Um, so a bit late start to the game for me. But the, the sport and background and the, the desire and that fire to win and that feeling of flushing that eight iron for the first time sort of like hooked you into the game. And now... It's asking really what, so what is your why and your passion and, and, and what's driving you in the game now and what really keeps you grounded within that, within that sport? After hitting that eight iron, I got into the world of competition golf. And for me, understanding kind of what it took to play um, at some high levels in terms of basketball and some things like that, and especially from a music standpoint, I really wanted to get good at the sport. So uh, I took probably the next eight, nine, 10 years to really just try to understand the fundamentals of the game. Um, I think a lot of times when you pick up a, a sport late, um, you're kind of at a severe disadvantage from those that have played since they were children, because intrinsically they know um, how to produce the proper fundamentals to, to produce a consistent swing. Um, so I got to a point where I began competing um, and put together essentially a team of professionals in their own industries across medical, across training, across uh, psychological, as well as um, swinging to really help me kind of achieve my goals, which is essentially playing on the PGA Tour. I'd say in, in sense of what my why is, um, I kind of want to be a role model and ambassador of diversity, right? Um, as the game of golf continues to grow, the number of minority golfers from the U.S. on the PJ Tour kind of remains far too low, in my opinion. Um, so I want to change that. Um, I want to show younger minority golfers that it's never too late to essentially follow your dreams. And if you work hard enough, 
And I think this is the most important part. Have a plan. Um, you can accomplish whatever you want to do. The, the way that I've read your story and I was looking at your website as well and the people that you've got around you, to that whole makeup, golfers now, I think, getting into the game because it's such an in, individual sport and they're traveling around and they're staying in hotels, you know, especially on, you know, the Euro Pro uh, golfers that I've worked with and, and, and club professionals and stuff like that. It's, it's such a lonely, isolated sport as well. And it can be very, you know, you mentioned there, logging many, many hours, starting the game late, getting to a level. And, and that takes, you know, grit, determination. But these people that I was looking at on your website, how important are those around you now to help you send that message as well? Because I can imagine that they're in support of you, but understand that your whole drive in this minority and getting people involved. So how often do you guys meet up? Um, and and what is that team ethic like? I, I think they're they're probably the most important people um, in in my golfing career. I talk about having essentially my my physios to my trainers to my caddy to my swing coach. Um, those are the people that constantly I'm picking their brain. We're having discussions about body mechanics. We're having discussions about golf course strategy. We're having discussions about swing mechanics and really understanding some of the things that. Quite frankly, a lot of people, especially at the professional ranks, take for granted a lot of times. I think um, if you look at any, and I think this is the benefit that I have playing other sports coming into golf late. Um, if you look at any greats in any sport, they're always trying to do the fundamentals better. Um, and I think that's one of the things that my team has really been adamant with me about is making sure that my consistency comes in an effort to make sure that my fundamentals are solid, understanding grip, understanding stance, understanding alignment, and looking at all of those things to, to really produce a consistent strike on the golf ball. They've been really instrumental. And I think part of my impetus for, for having a team was, was around the sports that I played. Obviously, basketball being the main one, you have essentially teammates and, and people around you to, to keep your head up when you get down. And I think golf should be no different. It is a lonely sport, but that doesn't mean that you can't have people around you that are encouraging you and pushing you to, to produce your best, best results out there on the course. And, and hats off to you, Chris, and to put out that, um, I suppose, ethos and vibration of how you want things to happen. And you've got to have a leader within that group as well, you know, and people stand out. When I first reached out to Dr. Joseph Parent, the author of Zen Golf, um, in terms of the work that I've been doing around the mental game, in order for me to progress forward, I had to have somebody in my life who would walk that path of work with Vijay Singh and got him to world number one and one of the best-selling, you know, mind books out there. And to be working with Dr. Joe, I, I feel that same energy about what you're talking about. It's literally, we sit down, there's, there's no judgment, bouncing ideas off each other, um, showing him the work that I'm doing. I'm reading his material, you know, it's, we've got accolades. And um, and it's all different methodology as well, isn't it? And it's, and it's putting that into the pot. And some things work for some people and some not for others. And um, it sounds, you know, the, the, the credentials of them guys that are around you, and that team are, are really driving you forward. So what does what does the next, I suppose, year, year and a half to two years look like for you guys? What you what you've got on the cards, what you're planning, what's the intentions that you're setting out? Yeah. So I think for us it's 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 largely around competing. Um I think as as I mentioned, starting the game late, I think one of the things that juniors take for granted a lot of times is is the amount of competitions. As you get to the professional ranks, you're literally paying for that experience. So we're looking to, to compete in roughly between 15 to, to 30 events this next few years um, to, to really gain the experience enough to know what it means to compete on the highest levels. 
Um, I think a lot of times people get really caught into, well, this person's score, that person's score, and forget about the actual journey of what you're learning. Um, I think every time you tee it up is a learning experience. And I, I look at things from a perspective of if I didn't compete my best in a tournament, why didn't I compete in the best in, my, in that tournament? And what can I learn from that? Um, and I think every tournament that I've competed in, I've been able to successfully come about that and say, hey, here's what I've learned. Um, and I've been able to improve on each of those respective weaknesses um, in each of those tournaments that I have going forward. So for us, um, the name of the game is really about competing. Um, and, and it's really a point for us to, to really get out there and get exposed to different grasses, different, different environments and different, different courses um, to really kind of diversify our game and understand how we're going to compete at the highest level. I, I, I love that with the adapting, isn't it? It's that change and understanding the adversity. There's a lot of studies done now and some of the things that I'm into with the, with the Buddha and the realm of, you know, basic goodness, grounding yourself, kindness, that's to yourself and the people around you. Kindness to your whole need, kindness to the game, respecting the course. You know, them courses have been around a long time and respecting the places that you're at in your environmental space is fundamentally where you're going to be spending and, you know, operating and dominating your craft, as you mentioned in, in your bio. This environmental headspace that we find ourselves in, but when adversity hits us and things don't go to plan that we've set out, and you've just mentioned it there, it's about reflecting on that and going, okay, then what can we pick out of them moments? that didn't work and how can we like tweak them and change them and I think golfers try to try too hard and they focus on the fruits of the tree rather than trying to water the tree first and nurture that and then as we know that they can ripen but I, I love I love what you're saying around that environmental stuff and um, yeah negativity is actually not a bad thing is it or failure or setbacks because we can really really learn from them moments what's been your biggest learning and who's inspired you through the last few years? I yeah, I think my biggest learning is, is really to, yeah, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, I, I'd say my, uh, my learnings have been along understanding how to compete. I think the first time I teed it up in a tournament, my, my knees and, 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 and hands were trembling. Um, and it's just a tee shot. And not understanding what that feels like as an adult is, is, is something that I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, I think for, for me, I go back to the inspiration around my team. Um, I think I've had people on my team that are obviously, as I mentioned, professionals in their own right, and they've done some great significant things in their lives. And the thing that, that keeps me inspired is, is the fact that they believe. Um, my friends and family, they, they hear about kind of my journey on golf and, and sometimes how lonely it is. And I think the fact that you have people in your corner that are constantly pushing on you to say, hey, come on, you got this. I think I wouldn't be here today if I didn't say that the other piece that inspires me are the people that are secretly thinking that, yeah, you've started playing golf late. You're never going to get there. Um, I think I use that as fuel as well to help me channel that energy and say, you know what, I have something to prove to you the guys that you don't have to come from a family of playing golf. You don't have to play golf at, at a young age to, to compete at the highest levels. And I think with the work ethic and the knowledge and, and the team that I have around me, um, I'm going to prove a lot of people wrong. I know what you mean. You find yourself with these um, this self-negative people within your world, but you can actually use that as a power, can't you? Because you can. it's not like I'm going to be ego and prove you wrong. And when you truly believe in your passion and where you're going with your, I suppose, desires. I've just, um, I was recommended a book called The Miracle Morning by a guy who came on my podcast about four weeks ago. And I've just 
downloaded it today and I've just listened to the first chapter and he was talking about how his life just completely fell apart. And in the first hour of every morning that he wakes up, he's been practicing the things that he's been doing over time. He's been learning about meditation, affirmations, writing a journal, setting out intentions. And you can do that in the first hour that you wake up in the morning and you can do all of these things that will actually reflect on how, how you want your day to be. And having those people that are encouraging you along the way, I think it's a fundamentally important part of the jigsaw. And you said it there, it's not, it's never too late, is it, to follow whatever that you want to do and don't let people, I suppose, pull you back from that. And you've highlighted that pretty well there. Um, if we can look at Chris as a whole, as a makeup, um, these, the, this, you, you can feel that you've got that competitive edge in you. Where do you see yourself in probably five, ten years from now? And, and what can you see yourself doing? And, and you're already given back to the game by your story, I believe. And if we can, if I can help in any way and, and share that story even more or get people involved with the game, because that's a big driving force of mine as well. In five, ten years, where do you want to see yourself looking back and saying, yeah, I give that a good shot? That's a great question. Continuing to get back, right? I think... My, my, my sole focus is, is, is around creating opportunities for uh, minorities and diversity in, in the game of golf. And I think we're doing a great job there and the PJ Tour is doing an amazing job of, of giving opportunities to, to guys to, to highlight that. And I think I want to continue to grow on that. Um, I think in the next five to 10 years, um, I want to have a few wins on, on the PJ Tour. And, and I know people listening to this think that's an aggressive journey and, and things of that nature. But when you have that self-belief in yourself that says, hey, I can do this. There's nothing or no one that can tell you otherwise. And I think for me, that that's an aggressive goal. And I think that's something that I'm going to work towards. And you know what it is? I wish you every success with that, Chris. Even though I've only reached out to you, what, a month ago? And this conversation, I'm blown away by your story. Keep, keep, keep sharing. Keep going with everything that you're doing. I wish you all, all, all the luck in the world. And um, I just really appreciate you just giving us 10, 15 minutes. But before we go, anybody that's setting out on this journey, have you got any tips or hints or inspirational message that you've learned you can just pass on? I know that you've said, keep going, keep believing in yourself. Is there any little golden nuggets that you've learned along the way that you want to share with anybody else? So I think the biggest one that a lot of people don't really pay attention to is put together a plan. I think inside of business, inside of, medicine, inside of any industry, if you don't build a plan, you can't achieve micro goals. Um, and I think having those micro goals and those small wins on a day-to-day -day basis help and add up to a larger goal. Um, I think early on in my, my career, um, I heard the phrase exponential growth always looks linear in the beginning. Basically what that means to me is were the small things that you did on a day-to-day -day basis that, that were little wins that, that add up to big things. I think a lot of times we lose mind, lose focus of, we see Roy McIlroy's and Tiger Woods and Justin, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth on the world stage, but we don't understand what it took to get there. Um, and I think that's the most important part of what's your day-to-day -day look like? Are you really putting together small goals to add up to the big goal, which is ultimately what you think is important to you? Um, and if you're constantly measuring those things, then you're going to achieve your goal. Yeah, um, set, setting goals is something I used to do when I was in the military. We used to plan constantly, do you know, and be be um, receptible to change is the big thing. Be flexible as well with your plan. Set out the big milestones and then just chip away at the little the little rocks as you go. But somebody said to me, um, I think it was probably a few months ago now, and he says, 
I don't believe in goals. I was just like, okay. He says, but if you set intentions and align them with your core values, magic happens. And I went, I actually like that. <laughs> you know, that's actually really good. Yeah, because you're in. Because if you intentionally set a desire or an achieved um, outcome that you want to get and align it with what your full daily core values are, whether that you're humble, you're honest, you're hardworking, and you and you link these to your individual intentions it, there's there's something happens and and i've been practicing that the last few weeks and i've noticed a huge difference just with building my own company and getting out and becoming a little bit more confident within my work as well which is which is all part of the ride you know enjoy the journey you know sometimes we sometimes know, don't know what the destination looks like until we get there but you mentioned yeah, absolutely uh, you gotta yeah. enjoy the journey and, the, and these big boys that are on the stage that we look at they they have their battles, don't they? They've got a lot of pressures. They're, they're fighting every single day, but they had to go through something to get to where they're at, and, and it did, it just didn't happen overnight. And I think people just need to probably understand that, and that's a really nice message to send too. And I thank you for that, Chris. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? How do we find you, or how do people reach out if they want to just ask a question, or you know, get involved with what you're doing? How do we how do we find you? Yeah, um, I can be accessible um, via Instagram at Chris Clark 1010. Um, that's Chris Clark 1010. Um, or uh, on my web website, um, it's www.cclarkgolf.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time. It's been great having you on. Um, and I look forward to continuing our relationship and, and doing what we can together. Uh, you've been listening to John. Keep sharing pitfalls, success stories. And there you had Chris, grounded individual, surrounds himself with the right people, looks at the competitive edge, sets his plans, listen to the tips, guys and girls, and get out there and go make it happen. Thank you so much. Yes, Chris. Thanks.